0: We're returning this week to our sermon series on the Gospel of John after having taken a week off last week to talk about vacation Bible school and the solid foundation that Christ gives us and what he has done for us. And so two weeks ago now we looked at the very beginning of chapter six in the Gospel of John and in that passage we saw Jesus miraculously feed a crowd of over 5,000 people with five small loaves of bread and two small fish. The crowds ate, and they were satisfied. They were filled, and so they desired to make Jesus their king. In doing so, they wanted to force Jesus to be who they wanted him to be. But Jesus escaped from them and withdrew to a place by himself because Jesus came to do so much more than be a caterer. He came to do far more than that, and He challenges them in this passage, once the crowds find Him, to seek more than what He can do for them physically and materially, but go to their deeper spiritual needs. So I'd invite you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 6. You're certainly welcome to use the bulletin. We're in John 6, verses 22 through 36. John chapter 6, verse 22 through 36. And let's hear the word of God. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So they said to Him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank You that You are a God who makes Yourself known. That You make Yourself known through Your Word and You made Yourself known through Jesus Christ who took on flesh and lived among us. So God, we pray as we read this Scripture about Jesus that You would make Yourself known to us today. Lord, please use me in spite of my sinfulness to proclaim your word faithfully, that your word would go forth in the power of the Spirit and give us ears to hear, O God. May we not be distracted in any way, but may we hear what you are saying to us and would you give us open hearts and minds to receive your word as truth and to receive it as your word, O God. So may it go forth in power in the name of Jesus. Amen. In John 6 here, we see a continuation, and this theme of bread is going to keep popping up over the next few weeks as we look at the rest of John 6. But what we see here is that Jesus is trying to show us that if God provides for our basic physical needs, then He will also provide for our deeper spiritual needs. And Christ, as God in the flesh, is doing just that for people. He has provided for their physical needs, but in order to show them that he can provide for their spiritual needs as well. So as we look at this passage, I want us to see at the start, we have we have a case of where's Waldo with where's Jesus. That there is problem solving going on in the first four verses of our passage that the large crowd that had eaten the bread and fish that Jesus miraculously multiplied. They were still there where Jesus left them, looking around. Surely he'll be back. Yeah, he's coming back. Where is he? The crowd noticed the disciples had left. They got in their boat and they went across the sea and they figured out in their minds this was a smart crowd. They went back to Capernaum, the home base of Jesus and his disciples. But, see, they're observant. They did not see Jesus go with him. So they were waiting around. Where's Jesus? And eventually they figured out, well, if we can't find Jesus, let's at least go find his disciples. He'll probably show up where they are. And so they hop in some other boats and they go to Capernaum seeking Jesus and they find him. They're really good at this. They're really good at seeing this. To their credit, this group of people is seeking Jesus. They had had a taste of Jesus and what he could offer, and they wanted more. And that is really good. They were clever in solving their problem. They were successful in their search. And John emphasizes in these opening verses that the crowd was seeing, they were observing their surroundings... And they were seeking based on what they could see. But then Jesus uses those concepts of seeing and seeking to show just what the crowd couldn't see. And so when they finally find Jesus, we get a sense that they're, they're not looking for the right things. They ask him, hey, uh, when did you get here? And it's a very innocent question, and we get the answer from the previous passage we looked at two weeks ago that Jesus, in the night, had walked down from the mountain and walked across the water as a miracle and went out to the disciples on their boat. But Jesus doesn't tell them that. Instead, his answer gets at what's really on their hearts. Because this crowd, not only could they see well, not only could they seek well, they also seemed to understand we shouldn't come right out and say exactly what's on our minds. Because they were probably thinking something like, Hey, why did you run away from us when we wanted you to do all this really cool supernatural stuff? We have a long list of miracles we want you to do to make our lives better and comfortable. We have lots of ideas for you. Why'd you run away? And so Jesus exposes this kind of heart attitude when he responds to them. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. That you're focused just on the bread. You're missing something. Now I want to take a minute. Jesus says here, truly, truly I say to you. We see this pop up twice in our passage and it shows up 25 times in the Gospel of John. Jesus seems to say it as a way of emphasizing the truthfulness of what he is saying, often because the things he's saying, the people who are listening just want to immediately reject it. Now, why Jesus says this and why he says it where he does, I don't know. There's not a great answer because Jesus, everything he says is truth. So I guess this is extra truthy. I I don't know. But it's, he really wants them to get, I am telling you something important here. And what he is trying to tell them is "You're, you're getting something, but you're not getting everything. You're seeing the physical world, but you are not looking beyond the bread in your bellies. You did see the miracle. You were there when I multiplied the bread and the fish that you tasted it. You were satisfied. You benefited. And you are seeking me to meet your basic needs. And those are good things. I mean, consider all of the work that was involved back then in just meeting the need of food. They couldn't run to Walmart, walk down the aisle, fill their cart up and drive home. They couldn't pop in at McDonald's for a quick bite to eat. They did not have microwaves, refrigeration, mass production, none of that. It took a lot of work to make food back then. And this guy can just, there it is. Let's get this guy. He knows what to do with the food stuff. And so they could see that he could help them in this vital need. And that's a good thing. So before we move on to how bad this is, I want to assure you it is good to seek from God our physical needs. The Bible tells us to look to God to provide for our physical needs. We said it in the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Give us the things, God, we need for today. And we are to be thankful when He does provide. It's why many of us give thanks at our meals. We want to take a moment to realize God has blessed us. We have food. We should give thanks for the protection of our homes, for our health, for all of the other basic needs that God gives us in our lives. And we can and should pray for such basic needs like these. The crowd was not wrong to look to God for these things. They were wrong to not look beyond Those things. They missed the fact that the miracle was a sign. And they didn't see what the miracle was meant to signify. And so what was it meant to signify? What were they missing? What couldn't they see? They saw this guy can help me in my life, in my daily needs. What were they missing? Well, Jesus tells us. He wasn't there to just fill their bellies. He was showing them that if I can do this if I can so easily provide for the basic needs in life that you day by day slave after, can't I also just as easily meet your deeper fundamental spiritual needs? He says that where he says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Jesus is comparing the earthly food that sustains our bodies for a time because we get hungry again. And he's comparing that with this metaphorical food that supplies eternal life. That instead of the crowd asking for dinner again, like our children might every day, they want dinner again today. That's ridiculous. Instead of just asking for dinner every day, he's telling them, shouldn't you be asking for something more satisfying, something deeper than that. We saw that in our Old Testament reading, that as good as the manna is, it's still spoiled. As good as the manna is, you still need to go and get more tomorrow. As good as the manna is, it does not sustain your life forever. You eventually die no matter how much you eat of it. As filling as the manna is, it doesn't fill your heart and your soul. In this sense, the earthly food, even manna that God provided for Israel, is food that perishes, that our greatest need, even if it doesn't seem like the most pressing need when we're hangry, our greatest and deepest need is food that endures to eternal life. We need something greater than the manna that God gave to the Israelites, and we need something greater than the bread and fish that Jesus gave to the crowds. We need the true bread of God that Jesus says can give eternal life. And Jesus, speaking to this crowd of Jewish people, says to them, I am the bread of life. I am what you need. I am what you need to seek more than anything else. That the miracle... to me. Now, saying I am the bread of life has lots of different meanings, and so I want us to look at five different ways that Pastor Richard Phillips in his commentary identifies five ways we can think about Jesus as the bread of life. So first, just as our bodies need food to survive, so also in an even greater way, we need Jesus for life. We cannot go through life without food, and we cannot have eternal life without Jesus. It is necessary. It is a fundamental need for Christ alone, reconciles us with the Father, forgives us of our sin, and satisfies our soul. We need him like we need bread and food for life. So that's the first thing it means that he's the bread of life. We need him. Second, just as bread was the basic staple food for all people in Jesus' original audience, so Jesus is suited to everyone. That not everyone likes sushi. Not everyone likes Brussels sprouts. Not everyone needs a fancy meal. Not everyone needs locally sourced ingredients. But bread is simple. It's filling. It's found on the tables of the wealthy and the poor. And similarly, Christ has the power to give life to any kind of person. We can all eat this bread. So that's the second thing. It's the basic thing suited for all people. Third, just as we need to eat every day, so also we need Jesus every day. Jesus says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. But that does not mean we show up to Jesus and say, all right, load me up with everything I need for the rest of my life right now. No, that's not what he means. He doesn't want us to take from him on one day and then not need him the rest of our lives. See, our kids are often hungry, but they never go hungry. They are often hungry, but they never go hungry. And in the same way, we will regularly need Jesus, and he is more than capable of satisfying what it is we need. We may need his wisdom to live our godly lives, his forgiveness for our frequent sins, his promises to give us hope when the future seems so uncertain, his peace in a world filled with anxiety. If we come to Him hungering for these things, we will not go hungry. He tells us, you shall not hunger. He can satisfy those hungers we feel. Now those are the first three ways He can be the bread of life. The fourth and fifth, we're going to spend a bit more time on. The fourth observation is that just as we actually need to chew and swallow the bread so also we need to receive Jesus Christ as the bread of life. See, we could look at a plate of food. go, like, Oh, that looks good. We could smell the food. Mmm, that smells great. We could count the calories of the food. We could snap a picture of our food and put it on Instagram like other people do. But the only way the food helps us is if we ingest it so also we must receive Christ as the bread of life. And so we have to eat him, he says. He'll say that in crazier language, in a sense, later in the chapter that really gets people struggling to understand what he means. But go back to verse 27 and we see what Jesus wants us to do. He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. The implication is that we should not work for food that perishes, but we should work for food that endures to eternal life. And that's why in verse 28, the Jews say, what must we do to be doing the works of God? That if we need to work for this bread of life, tell us what to do. Now, we said nice things about the crowd earlier. We're going to say not so nice things now. Consider the arrogance of what they are saying. Jesus just told them of food that endures to eternal life. And they are confident. Oh, just tell us what to do. We'll do it. We could do that. Let's just work for that food that endures to eternal life. They have no doubt in their mind that if shown the way they can do it. This reminds me of how every once in a while, Abby trusts me enough to send me to the store to get a few things. And I am usually confident that I can do it if provided with a very detailed list in terms I can understand, and preferably if the list is in the order, I will find all of those things in the store. And that is how the Jews are looking at Jesus here. Oh, just give us a list. Make it a nice, easy list, step by step. And we will work and earn that eternal life. We could do that. But they don't see how incapable they truly are. And so Jesus is pushing back against their overconfidence. And then the people say back to him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? They're saying, if you want us to believe in you as the Messiah then we need you to perform a sign worthy of the messiah a sign greater than moses did a sign greater than the manna in the wilderness and they say this because they believe well i mean if we saw such a sign we'd obviously believe that you were the messiah that literally just happened he had just shown them a sign Greater than what Moses did in the wilderness. And they didn't believe. They see clearly enough to come to Jesus, but their vision is flawed enough they don't come for the right reasons. And so, in light of their remarkable lack of self awareness and their inability to do all that is required, Jesus tells them all right, here's what you need to do. This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent. That's the work. The way we chew and swallow the bread of life is by believing that Jesus is who the Father has sent to save us. We trust that Christ can give us life. That's what He tells them in verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He tells them the way to receive this bread of life is by believing. So, our New Testament reading from Romans 3 said that no person will be justified by the works of the law. We cannot do the works that God requires of us to earn eternal life. We are unable because, like this crowd, We don't realize how incapable we are of doing this. But that does not mean eternal life is unavailable. We can be saved through faith in Jesus, who justifies those who believe in him and gives them eternal life. Paul writes that it's a gift to be received which is what Jesus says in verse 27. He says, the son of man will give it to you that the bread of life is given out of God's grace and we must receive it by believing in Jesus for we eat this bread only by believing. And So the fourth way we see Jesus as the bread of life is we need to receive him to eat, to chew and swallow this bread through believing. And this gets to the fifth way that Jesus is the bread of life that just as bread, to, bread is broken, or today sliced, just as bread is broken and distributed to people to eat, so also Christ was broken to be given to us. See, what was required of us to receive the bread is that we believe in Jesus. But what was required of Jesus for us to receive the bread was that He do all the works of the law. That He do everything perfectly to earn eternal life, but then die in our place for our sins so that He can give us the life and righteousness He earned and take from us the punishment and wrath for our sins. To their credit, the crowds that day didn't know that's what was going to happen. They didn't know that His life was leading to the cross, but they had seen His miracles. They had been filled and satisfied by the bread He gave them. And that bread was meant to point to His ability to give them even more. It was meant to point to the bread of His body that was broken for them. But as Jesus says in verse 36, I said to you that you have seen Me, and yet do not believe. They saw what Jesus had done and they did not believe. The bread was on the plate before them. They had had essentially tasted some of it. They had a smell of it. They knew it was good, but they hadn't believed. They hadn't tasted and received that bread fully yet. As we gather here today in the Word of God, may you see that the bread of life has been set before you that the Holy Spirit speaks through the Scriptures even today and he has, led, he has laid this bread of life before you, offering that if you are hungry, come to Jesus and you will never go hungry. He has given Himself to you. And yes, Jesus can help you with your very real, in-the-moment, basic physical needs in this life. Yes, He can. But He came to save your soul. He came to give you eternal life. He came to fill you with joy and peace in believing, giving you hope today and into the future. He came and gives you something that can endure for all eternity. Take and eat by receiving and believing in Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we give thanks for Your Word. We give thanks for Your generosity that you lay before us this great gift of Jesus Christ, that you use terms that we can understand, that we are very familiar with eating. And so satisfy us. Satisfy our souls in Christ. Yes, Lord, provide for our daily needs, and may we give thanks for them and seek you in them. But may we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. May we seek them in Christ, believing in him. Lord, give us the faith to see and believe and to go and live as people, offering that same bread to those who are hungry around us. In Jesus' name, amen.